As I said, we're going to be doing something a little bit different this morning. Um, the teaching will be coming from a new translation that the that a group of Christian scholars and uh, teachers from the First Nations put together. It's called the First Nations Translation. It really represents the first attempt of Native Americans to translate the scriptures and to state them in a way that expresses the kind of understanding, the culture of the Native American peoples. My tribe, the Choctaw, were one of the members of this. As a matter of fact, the Choctaw is one of the five civilized tribes, was a very early convert to Christianity with a very high percentage of Choctaw, Ming Christians. I mention that to you so that when we start reading from the scriptures, I think you're going to find that the truths of the scriptures glow in an interesting way when Native American Christians express them. And it makes things new and fresh. But that's not really the main point of this. That's simply a way to keep you from saying, what translation is that? <laughs> the actual teaching is going to be focused on something entirely different. Something of, that is of great concern to me, but also exemplifies the end of the age. Those of you who've been attending the prophecy sessions that Pastor David and Scott and I have been teaching uh, are well aware as we've delved into those that this looks very much like the end of the age. And there are certain characteristics of the end of the age that we're going to talk about today that illustrate the enormity of the problem that I'm going to lay out to you. In order to do this, I want to first set the stage by looking at a series of passages from this new First Nations translation, because first we're going to talk a bit about teaching, doctrine, The word doctrine from the Latin, it just means teaching, really what it means. Just like the word in Hebrew, Torah, means teachings. That's really, it's unfortunate that the translation in the King James of Torah was translated or rendered law, because that has a tendency to give a connotation of a rule book and the like. When actually Torah was always intended to simply be the teachings. Christ came as a teacher. He was the great rabbi, the only rabbi, the only true good teacher. And so the scriptures rest upon the communication of the word of God by teaching. And those who teach have an obligation to be faithful and true to what they've been called to teach. Unfortunately, at the end of the age, we're going to see that there are those who are not faithful, that there are false teachings gone out into the world, that there are false teachers in the world. And that is going to highlight a survey that was just released the end of August by Arizona Christian University. And I'm going to go through uh, their findings, very comprehensive, interesting set of findings about what people who name themselves Christians believe. I have to set the stage first by starting with the scriptures, because we have to set the framework. Um, so, the first passage we're going to take a look at, it's 
then we can get it there, is James 3.1. Look at this great translation. My sacred family members, not many of you should become teachers of our spiritual ways. For you know that we who teach will face a stricter judgment. Sacred family members. That puts a different connotation. It reminds us of the way that a tribe will consider itself and will consider the teachings of the truth of God. And of course, Israel was 12 tribes. They were tribal, with tribal lands. But the content of the teaching is clear. This has been a passage that I've known for decades and decades, teaching from the very beginning. Not many people should teach. It is a calling, divine calling given by the Holy Spirit to those whom he calls to teach. If you do not have it, do not do it. Okay? I don't think I can be any more plain than that. I used to tell my history students who would say things at the very beginning of my course, because once I started working with them, they changed radically in their attitudes. I would have the occasional first day or second day student who would say, history is boring. History is bad. History is yuck. I would say, there is no such thing as bad or boring history. There are, however, a lot of bad and boring history teachers <laughs> who beat the heck out of it in such a way that the students who survived the class say, I will never again darken the door of a history class. <laughs> Furthermore, I don't understand people who teach it. There must be something squirrely about them. The fact is that no, if you're called to teach, you transform and embody what you teach. What you teach becomes then not merely content, but relationship. And is that not what Christ taught us? The word became flesh, the flesh dwelt among us. Content Truth is relationship. Yes, there is content because we are so woeful. We don't know much of anything. And so the Lord patiently teaches. It's relationship. Okay, so. The calling of teaching is one that should be approached carefully and with a clear sense of calling because if you don't have it, don't do it. There is a higher, a higher judgment involved. Next passage, we take a look at this one from Titus 1.9 and 2.1. Speaking of elders and teaching, it says, with self-discipline, they, that is the elders, must walk with a good heart in our sacred ways and stay true to the faithful message they have been taught. Then these elders will be able to encourage others by teaching the truth about our spiritual ways. This passage goes on and says, then they will be able to stand up to and approve wrong those who oppose them. There are many troublemakers with forked tongues and empty words. Most of them are from our own tribal members. I love this. Flesh cutters who require others to participate in the cutting of the flesh ceremony. Circumcision. Native tribes said, oh, the flesh cutters. And they force people to participate in the flesh-cutting ceremony. 
These men must be silenced for they are troubling whole families by teaching wrong things. Could you be any more plain? Is the problem not being plainly, simply, clearly stated? They teach wrong things. They are behaving like tricksters, using people for their own gain. But as for you, teach those things that lead to a healthy spiritual walk. I don't know about you, but I am greatly moved by the beauty and the simplicity of what they're saying because, of course, the Native American tribes were wrapped around stories and storytelling. So was Israel. As a matter of fact, human beings generally like stories, they like telling them, they like hearing them. Correct? Every culture tells stories. But the truth that's being told here is that the elders are to walk in good and healthy ways and to help the people to understand. You see, eldership is service. Those of us who teach, as the elders among you teach, because we're called of God, but he also gives us a flaming fire of a heart that we might teach with passion and with compassion that what we know to be true flows to you in service. It's not from on high. We're called to serve. What did Christ say? Those of you who would be great among you, let them serve the others. I've washed your feet, and if I, your Lord, can wash your feet, certainly you can wash the feet of others. Greatness in the kingdom of Christ is service. Truth spoken in love, serving others and the Lord our God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon all this hang all the law, teachings, and all the prophets. That's it. It's interesting that Paul echoes this particularly in some of his writings to Timothy. Both First and Second Timothy are filled with his comments on teaching and leading and the like. This next passage in 2 Timothy 3. But you should keep following the ways you have been taught, the teachings you are sure of, for you know who it was who taught you. From the time you were a young boy, you have known the sacred teachings that are able to make you wise as you trust in the one who has set you free. made you whole. The passage goes on and says this. And here we'll encounter the First Nations name for Christ. The one who has set you, set you free and made you whole. Creator sets free their name for Jesus. Creator sets free. The chosen one. All sacred teachings come from the breath of the great spirit and help us to teach others about creator's ways. They help us correct wrong thinking and bring lives into balance. They show the good and right way to walk the road of life. In this way, those who walk with the Great Spirit will have everything that is needed to do good things for others. Words that we have known expressed in a new way. 
creator sets free. In 2 Timothy 4, when the chosen one appears, he will decide the fate of the living and of the dead and bring his good road to us in all its fullness. In light of these things and in the sight of the great spirit and creator sets free, the chosen one, I call on you to complete the sacred task of making his message known. Be ready whether the time seems right or not. Patiently instruct others. Teaching. Give strong counsel, warnings, and firm words to strengthen their hearts. One of the challenges of teaching, you see, is that sometimes you must say hard words. That's why not many should teach. You must have a firm faith, a strong heart, a flame with the great spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, to be able to say those things, do those things. Because I have many times wept in having to teach what needed to be taught. Anyone who teaches, anyone who teaches with prophetic fire and true insight knows those tears. And indeed, if you have no tears, then you're not doing well. You're not speaking the truth in love. If it doesn't hurt to say hard things, you must not say them. They aren't true. Going on to 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 10. Again, Paul to Timothy here. He starts out by saying, there are some who teach things that are not in agreement with the good words spoken by our honored chief creator sets free, the chosen one and with the teaching that keeps us walking in a sacred way. This is, this is leading to warnings. You can see the warning that's implicit, that's inherent here. You can see where this is going to go. Let me read the balance. Teachers like this think they know it all, but are really understanding nothing. There is a sickness in the way they think. Oh, my Lord. There is a sickness in the way they think. Pastor David, in going through his whole series, the White Lies series and so forth, has illustrated some of these in great detail. But you could sum it up by saying, there is a sickness in the way they think. They argue over the meaning of words, which takes people down a path of envy, fighting, name-calling, and evil mistrust of one another. They keep stirring up trouble between people whose minds have wandered away from the truth. They even think that walking the ways of the Great Spirit is a path to getting more and more possessions. You may remember the discussion of the prosperity gospel and the like. It is true that following the ways of the great spirit will lead to great possessions, but only when people are at peace with what they have. The great possessions are not the things of this world. For we came to this world with nothing and can take nothing with us when we leave it. So as long as we have food to eat and a roof over our heads, we should be at peace with what we have. Well, the flushing sound is the sound of the prosperity gospel going down the drain right about there. Is it not? Those who long for more and more possessions stumble into temptation 
and are trapped by many foolish desires that drag them down and take them to a bad end. For the love of possessions is the root of many evil, thorny branches. Some who have made possessions their aim in life have walked away from the good road and have been pierced by thorns that will bring them much pain and sorrow. This goes to the integrity of the teacher and what is being taught. The truth content of what is being taught. That you speak the truth in the love, and we know that love rejoices in truth, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, but it must be the truth. To speak vacuously of love on the one hand, and with an iron heart about truth on the other, is to miss the point that the two are supposed to be one. And so there must be true content, the revelation of God, the word of God, with the love that comes from the Holy Spirit. Else, it is neither truth nor love. And we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Oh, and then we go into warnings. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. Starts out this way. I want you to remember that the last days will be violent and dangerous times. People love only themselves and possessions. They will be puffed up, big-headed, troublemakers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unspiritual. It continues by saying, people will be cold-hearted, merciless, full of accusations, without self-control, savage, and haters of what is good. They will be traitors, reckless and arrogant people who love pleasure more than they love the great spirit. Stay clear of people like this, for they make a big show of being spiritual, but deny its true power. Some of these are men who trick their way into people's families to manipulate vulnerable women who have given themselves over to broken ways to be burdened down with all kinds of evil desires. They're always looking to learn new things, but never find and understand the truth. Everything must be new. There must be something new. There must be something new this week. There must be something new this, this evening. Ever learning, never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Welcome to our age. Sin, excuse, excuse me, in the same way that greedy man which is their name for Jonas. Remember Moses, court of Pharaoh, the magicians, Jonas and Jonas? The native tribes translated their names into the names that they would give them. Jonas, the magician, greedy man. Jonas, they named hostile man. Greed and hostility stood against Moses, only the Native American name for Moses is drawn from the water, literally lifted up out of the water. That's a pretty good name. Like Jonathan Jamas, these men also stand against the truth. They are men of bent and twisted minds whose understanding of our spiritual way is worthless. Do you understand what's being said here? The line's being drawn. There are false ones out there 
who the the Lord looks at and sees enemies. They proclaim the name of Christ. They are not of Christ. But they will not fool many, for their trickery will be easy to see. If you have eyes to see, you will see it. If you have a discerning spirit, which you should be praying for, you will see it. If the Holy Spirit gives you the insight by the will of the Father, you will see it. You'll see it in an instant. You'll hear it in a moment. You don't need to write a dissertation. You'll know. Their trickery will be easy to see, just as it was for greedy man and hostile man. Jonathan Jonvis. 2 Timothy 3.13 says this, bad-hearted people will go from bad to worse. These are humans behaving like tricksters who lead people down the same kind of path that they have been tricked into walking. Misery loves company. Sin desires more of the same. This states it very directly and very well. Going on to 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, the warning continues. For a day will come when people will not listen to good teaching. Welcome to now. They will gather around themselves teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and believe made-up stories. They will not listen. They will not endure sound teaching. If you proclaim the good news, if you proclaim the revealed truth of God, they'll yawn and walk away or they'll become violently angry and attack you. I hope that that is not you. Finally, a passage from 1 John 4. John himself speaks about this. Verses 1 through 6, which starts out by saying, My much-loved friends. I like that. Do not trust every spirit but test the spirits of the prophets to see whether Creator sent them. For there are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. Many. Don't believe it? Watch YouTube. (laughs) This is how to know whether a spirit comes from Creator. Every spirit that says, Creator sets free, that is Jesus, Jesus, Creator sets free, the chosen one, came to us as a human being, is from the great spirit. Every spirit that does not speak of creator sets free in this manner is not from the great spirit. That is very simple. This is, I love this, this is the spirit of the false chosen one. Their name for the Antichrist, the false chosen one. The one you have heard was coming and who is now already in the world. Much loved children, you have been born of creator and have won the victory over these false prophets. For the spirit in you is much greater than the spirit in the world. These false prophets are of this world, so they speak the way the world speaks, and the world listens. We are of the great spirit, and those who know the great spirit listen to us. The ones who are not of the great spirit do not listen to us. 
I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, yeah, says you. Then you're not of the great spirit. It's not that you may not come. It's not that you may not be born again. But it hasn't happened yet. And there are some who are determined to go down into darkness. They will live out darkness and act out darkness and be darkness in this world and they will go down into the pit. If you think that hell and the lake of fire are unpleasant things that aren't really real, you are wrong. Christ on the cross tells us of our desperate need. Christ on the cross paid the price so that we would not have to go down because you do not want to be there. It is a place where you would be all alone together with all those who are all alone. Everything will be gone. You won't even have a name. This is how we can tell the spirit that is true from the spirit that is false. Okay. So you've had your first exposure to the First Nations translation. It, the Kindle version came out this month. So if you want to go and take a look at it, you can pick it up there. The hardback version is going to be published, I think, around the end of this month. I bought both. <laughs> no, just the New Testament right now. It's, way, it's the way it often is with translations. They start with the New Testament and work their way back. The Old Testament is a very, very complex, difficult project. Now I want to shift gears. I hope I have not bored you so far, because I'm going to bore you some more. <laughs> Arizona Christian University has a cultural research center that's done some very good work here recently to survey American Christian attitudes. The whole idea is, really, the, the research question asked was, what does it mean when people say that they are Christian? Everything I've talked about up here has to do with the teaching, the communication of the faith. And if we assume sound doctrine, if we assume sound teaching, then what will happen is, at the very least, a person is receiving real truth. And if it's done properly, then they'll be receiving real truth in love. With heart and a passion. It's one of the things that is wonderful about Acts Church is it is a true Christian community. People really do care for one another here the way that Christ talked about caring. When Christ said, in this way, men will know that you are followers of mine, that you love one another. You take care of one another. You love your brother and sister as I have freely loved you. Well, they asked this question anyway. What does it mean when people say that they are Christians? I'm not sure that our computer frames turned out exactly as I would have hoped that they did. So what I'm going to do is instead of using those frames, don't worry about it, I'm simply going to read you some findings from several different groups. And the idea here is going to be 
that you have an opportunity to see right now, 2021, see where Christians are in their attitudes. Now we're talking here about what the study calls self-identified. What that means in a survey is these are people who, when you ask them, what is, what is your religious or spiritual belief? They say, well, I'm a Christian. As it turns out, in this latest survey this year, they found that about 69% of Americans surveyed said that they were Christian, self-identified as Christian. These are people who have presumably sat under pastors and teachers and had biblical truth, presumably, shared with them. They say they're Christian. Talk is cheap. Confusion sometimes grabs for the first thing it can think of. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. And there was a, it was interesting to see the results of what their beliefs were, for example, of this group that said simply, I'm a Christian. No other identifier, I'm just Christian. 79% of them said that God has a reason for everything. 79, okay. 77% say they have a unique God-given calling. 74% say they intentionally try to avoid sinning because they know it hurts God. So about three quarters. 62% agree that the universe was designed and created. Is sustained by God. Whoops, that's below two thirds. They didn't take my Genesis group teaching. They missed it. 61% believe that God is the all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect and just creator of the universe who still rules the universe today. 61%. Okay. But this same group, same group, self-identified as Christians, also believe these things. 72% of them say that people are basically good. Basically good. A fine biblical doctrine there. 71% consider feelings, experience, or the input of friends and family as their most trusted moral guidance. 71%. Yeah, there's a source of authority for you. 66% say that having faith matters more than which faith? Just, ha just have faith. As soon as you say, in what? They say, whatever. <laughs> 71% of the self-identified Christian. 64% say that all religious faiths have equal value. 58% believe that if a person is good enough or does enough good things, they can earn their way into heaven. Christians. 57% believe in karma. My karma ran over your dogma. 
57% believe in that. 52% claim that determining moral truth is up to each individual. There are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. Now, these are the self-identified Christians. Fun, isn't it? In the last time, dangerous times will come. Men will no longer endure sound teaching. Now let's look at the self-identified born-again Christians. These were the ones that weren't just generic, I'm a Christian. That's my grandma. No, these ones have advanced to the stage of saying, I'm a born-again Christian. Well, okay. In that category, a few examples of their beliefs. 78% believe the marriage of one man to one woman is God's plan for humanity across all cultures. Dangerously close to three quarters. The other, the other quarter is doing whatever it's doing. 72% believe that God is the all-knowing, all-powerful, just creator of the universe who still rules in the universe today. 60% believe that the Bible is the accurate and reliable word of God. 60%. The other 40% are out there reading books on karma. <laughs> on the other hand, and again, we're speaking of self-identified born-again Christians. You got to know something to say born-again because grandma. But she always said. 77% say that having faith matters more than which faith? 77. 69% accepted feelings, experience, and the input of friends and family as their most trusted sources of moral guidance. 65% say that there's no absolute moral truth. Two-thirds. 62% contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. There is no Holy Spirit. It's sort of symbolic. Which, of course, means that you don't believe in the Trinity either. Sixty-one percent say that all religious faiths are of equal value. 60% believe that if a person is good enough, does enough good things, they can earn their way into heaven. I, we're not dealing with unbelievers here. We're not talking about people that are non-Christians. In every case, we're dealing with people who have at one level or in one way or another have identified themselves as Christian. There's a third group called the theological born-again Christians. In, in the survey, they're speaking about the fact that here you have people who have more content to the notion of born again. They're a bit more, they're a bit more organized. They've maybe done some deeper reading, thinking. Okay. Of that group, the theological born-again Christian, 74% believe that the Bible is the accurate and reliable word of God. So three-quarters believe, yeah, one-quarter says no. 56% say that having faith matters more than which faith? 56. 54% accepted feelings, experience, and the input of friends and family as their source of moral guidance. 51% say all religious faiths are of equal value. I must pause to shake, shake my head. 50% contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being. Half. 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 
40% say, say that there's no absolute truth. 37% say that uh, if a person is good enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, earn your way to heaven. So over one-third of them, which, of course, makes the cross of Christ nonsense. We've already talked about this before. If man is basically good, if you can earn your way, why'd Christ come? Why'd he go to the cross? You're right back to karma then. You get what you deserve, right? Yeah. Finally, interesting different area, 31% of this group believes that the Bible is ambiguous in its teaching about abortion. Abortion. The 31% believe uh, the, the Bible doesn't really, kind of, it's not clear about abortion. I might encourage you a little bit more by this final group. Let me encourage you a little bit. That last bit was really hard to take, right? Well, this is, there's this group called Integrated Disciples. It's the Biblical Worldview Cohort. Now, this group of people are people that are definitely, definitely seeking to integrate faith and truth in all areas of life. All truth is God's truth. Every domain of creation belongs to the Lord. The Lord speaks to all aspects of creation and all aspects of human life. And the Bible should be actively, passionately applied in every area of life. Now, this sounds encouraging. Okay, so when you talk about this group, here's the good news. Ready for good news? Christ, oh, wrong good news. 99 plus percent believe that the Bible is the accurate and reliable word of God. 99 plus percent believe God is the all-knowing, all-powerful, and just creator of the universe who still rules today. 99 plus percent say they have a unique God-given calling. 99% say they intentionally try to avoid sinning because they know it hurts God. 96% claim that every moral choice either honors or dishonors God. 88% believe that God has a reason for everything. <laughs> you know, the, the people who have uh, diseases and other things, it's starting to affect them a little bit. Okay. Furthermore, 4%, only 4% believe that feelings, experience, and the counsel of friends and family is their most trusted source of moral guidance. Only 5% believe that if a person is good enough, he can earn his own way to heaven. 8% believe that the Bible is ambiguous about abortion. 9% say that all religious faiths are of equal value. Okay, so... Yeah, that's quite, quite different. Yeah, right. encouraging. That group makes up only 9% of all Christians. 9% of Christians fall into this category. Nine. Uh, and this is survey. I mean, what they're doing is they're telling you this is what they found. Not what they wish, not what they'd prefer, it's what is. But then there's more bad news. Of this same group, these fine integrated Christians, these people who do so well on what I shared with you, 25% say that there is no absolute truth. Same group. 33% believe in karma. 33. In the universe ruled by the 
God who is still active today, that they said they believed, they must, a significant number of them apparently believe that God operates in karma. If you can find karma anywhere in the scriptures, come let me know. I'll get you a correct Bible. 39% contend that the Holy Spirit is not real living. Nearly 40%. Which is, of course, then the Trinity goes away. I don't know what you end up with, but it's not the Trinity. believe having faith matters more than which faith? The same group. In other words, 99 plus, you know, you got a 99% of people thinking that the Bible is really the thing and God rules, while at the same time, over 40% of them say, yeah, but there are other faiths. The problem is that this faith, this revelation from the Lord on high says there is salvation under no other name. No man comes to the Father except by me. I don't know how you can misinterpret that. Choose who you will serve. If you want to serve those gods and bail across the river, do it. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Well, it's the Lord himself says, how long will you stumble back and forth? It's a great passage. How long will you stumble back and forth between two different things? If you belong to the darkness, go to the darkness. If you are mine, come to me. But don't stumble back and forth between the two. I am the light. That is the darkness. Something's wrong when people don't detect this in themselves. How can you... How can you say certain things are true and then come over here and say certain other things, which are flat contradictory, are also true? They cannot both be true. Finally, 52% of that group believe that people are basically good. Okay, enough statistics. The fact is that somehow amongst all four of those groups, there are gigantic, gigantic holes in understanding, in knowledge, simple knowledge. There are contradictions galore. Even the best people, it appears, are people that have incredible contradictions in their understanding of the spiritual life. They don't think. They look in the perfect mirror of Torah, see themselves, turn, walk away, and forget what they saw. The best thing that you can say for them is perhaps they were poorly taught. The worst is you are of your father, the devil. I don't care how you self-identify. What matters is how the Lord identifies you. You are either mine or you are not mine. What is most discouraging to me as a teacher is that there should be such shoddiness, such foolishness. And yet we were warned, men in the last days will be like this. They will refuse sound teaching. They will not endure it. They will walk out on it. They may even violently attack it. We have schlock preachers driving around in Lamborghinis 
we have people proclaiming prosperity gospels that are not the gospel. It's only prosperity. Mine mainly. Give me $9 million or the Lord has said he will kill me because I need a new jet. And if you think I just made that up, think again. I'm not kidding. Go watch YouTube. You will see false teachers and false prophets by the ton. They're out there. Men and women who are out there teaching a false gospel. And let's remember what Christ said about that, speaking through the Apostle Paul to the, to the Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has deceived you? Then he says this. says, for if anyone or me or an angel from heaven comes to you and teaches a gospel that is not the one I've given you, let them be anathema. In the Greek, anathema. It means damned. Let them be damned. As I said before, so I will say again, if I or someone else or even an angel from heaven comes to you with a gospel other than the one that I gave you, let them be anathema. That's pitched into the darkness, friends. These are words, as the Native American translation would say, these are words full of iron. There's no weakness in them. He was passionate about truth, was Paul, who, by the way, the Native American name for him was Small Man. I was talking with Pastor David, and he says, I'm not sure I like that small man thing. I said, well, historically, the tradition is he was short. Beyond that, he did persecute the church. He was drawn like a brand out of the fire. Well, Paul would rejoice in the name small man if he was faithful and true, and he was. And I am being faithful and true in sharing this with you. Please understand this. To summarize, teaching is the only calling that is mentioned in all three lists of spiritual gifts. Teacher comes up again and again and again. It's not a recruiting thing, though. God appoints. He does not recruit. Not many should seek to do it. That when you teach, teach sound doctrine. Teach teaching that are the good words of the Lord. The true ways of God. The road that he gave us that leads to the eternal light and to his glorious kingdom. Do not deviate to the left hand or to the right. Do not accept teaching that is contrary to what we have in the scriptures. Do not endure it. And realize finally that in the last days, we were told this was going to happen. Expressly, the, the Spirit expressly, truly, definitely, Paul said, says, that men in the last days will be this way with respect to the truth. They hate it. They don't recognize it. It has no part of them. They'll run screaming or they'll attack you violently. They won't have it. That's heartbreaking. There are people you know who may be in that category right now. You might be in that category right here. I don't know. 
I do know that you must be born again. I do know that if you are not in Christ, now is the hour, now is the day. The call of the Lord now is, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He paid the price in his own blood to set you free. Creator sets free. If you hear that word, and if God speaks in your heart, do respond. Come now. The days are short and getting shorter. This is the generation, I think. This is the generation that sees these things. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. The great chief, the great spirit, creator sets free, says, come. And the spirit says, come. Do not delay. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come before you humbly. And we ask that you would see our hearts as they are. That by your blessed Holy Spirit that you will constantly be forming and shaping us into the image of your perfect Son. I ask, Father, that you would bless all those who are here. That you would stir up our minds and our hearts so that we might realize the times that we are in that we might treasure the revelation we've been given at such incredible, infinite pain and sorrow to you, and that we might respond, Lord, joyfully. Baruch haba, Bashem Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.